So two weeks ago, we started the series that we are continuing today titled, Why We Do What We Do. And this is, again, just a, a series of us looking at our vision and mission statement and, and kind of just, just going in under the hood and seeing some of the inner workings of the church and, and why we do the things that we do, whether it's our events, our services, programs, um, all those different things that we do together as a church family. Uh, again, why do we do those? And, and we started two weeks ago with our vision and mission of joining the journey. And we see that, again, Jesus gives us this uh, invitation to join into the life of faith. And we believe, again, that Jesus was the divine Messiah. He was 100% God and 100% man. He lived that sinless life here on earth, but died on the cross to pay for our sins, rose again on the third day in conquering sin and death so that we can be saved. And through receiving him as our Savior, accepting his grace and forgiveness of our sins, as well as his presence in our lives, that he transforms our heart and he transforms our mind as we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, that moment of salvation. And that, that moment as we become not just God's creation, but we get transformed into God's child. And our identity changes at that moment of salvation. That's how we join the journey of faith, right? is accepting Christ as our Savior. And, and once we join that journey, then we start this new journey of faith, of growing in our faith and in our understanding of who God is. And, and of his word and of his people and, and how do we live out our faith and continue to grow every day. And we talked on that, that first week about that biblical definition of discipleship that's given in Romans 12. And how are we going to be transformed by God's spirit and continue to move forward. Not, not to camp in our faith, but to move forward in our faith. And to be more, more like Christ tomorrow than we are today. And, and the more that we live out our faith every day and we continue to journey forward, the more that evangelism naturally happens as we look, also looked at the biblical definition of evangelism. Right? That we live our faith so strongly that people notice that something's different and that we are ready to respond when they ask right? and explain God to them with gentleness and respect and, and how every healthy church needs to be strong in discipleship and evangelism and that those both feed each other right? and they start into this, this ongoing cycle. Right, of not just consuming the things of God, but of also contributing to his kingdom. As we saw that in the first week of our vision and our mission and, and, and how we're accomplishing that as a church, and, and now we move into last week as we start to examine our core values. And again, the core values are those things that, that, no, that will not change no matter what we do. And again, our methods can change, right? That, that our world is constantly changing, but yet our core values will always stay the same. No matter what we do, they are core. They, they are, make us who we are. And last week we looked at, at core value number one. And, and again, the core value number one is number one because it's the most important one. Right? And core value number one, as we looked at last week and we dove deep into it, is, is that Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. Right? That he is the ultimate outcome of our life. He is, he's our example to follow. He shows us what a godly life will look like. And, and as, we, as we focus ourselves on Jesus, that that is, the, again, the destination of our life is to please him and to become more like him. As we pursue a life of holiness within, within our, our growth, right, that we will be more like Christ tomorrow than we are today as we continue to move forward in our faith and in, in our life and in that journey. And as we continue to, to, to keep Jesus Christ the focus, he's the center of all that we do. 
Okay, then we move on today to core value number two. And core value number two is that scripture is our foundation and the roadmap for our journey. See, so, you know, we, we're going to move on, right? That Jesus Christ is, is our destination, but yet we need to, to learn about that example. How do we know about who he is and, and what he brings into our lives? Well, we learn it from scripture. Right? And that scripture is our foundation. You know, when we think about a foundation, a foundation is very important. Okay, but yet a foundation is, is, is the, the bottom, right? It's what everything is built on top of. And if the foundation is strong, then, then the building or the structure will be strong. Right? All the details that are built on top of it will be steady. Right? And everything will be in line and, and we, can, we can trust it and interact with everything that's built on top of the foundation. But, you know, a foundation is something, though, that it's incredibly important but yet it's something that kind of fades into the background, not something that we tend to think about a lot. You know, I don't know about you, but when I walk into my house, I don't walk into my house and be like, wow, that's an awesome foundation. Yet, if it's not an awesome foundation under my house, there will be signs, right? There will, things will start to appear and you'll see and notice some stuff within my house, right, that isn't right. Because the truth is, if the foundation fails, if it cracks, if it settles, if it moves, then there will be signs all throughout the structure of the fact that there are foundational problems. Again, there'll be cracks in the walls. Right? The, the doors won't fit quite right in the door jams. Right? I'll, I'll feel like maybe you walk downhill into your kitchen, right? Just, just something might, I mean, you will start to notice these little things. And, and they might be little things when you first notice them, but then the, the, the real core issue is very hard to fix. It's very expensive to fix. It becomes a really big problem if the foundation is not solid. You know, we think about this, right? Again, foundations are so incredibly important but yet we don't notice them until something's not right, usually. Again, there, when you think about the body of Christ, you think about the different roles we all have, again, we, nobody knows this concept better than the sound booth team. And I'll tell you, again, we have, um, in fact, a full team, we have three people back in the sound booth on our, on our right, even right now that are working in that. We have our sound person that runs the soundboard. We have the, the visuals person that runs the computer and the words and all that stuff. And we have our live stream video person that's, that's mixing that and sending it out to the internet. And, and again, to those that are joining us online, without those three people working together, right, we would all notice. But they just fade into the background and we never really think about them until their job isn't done correctly. Right? And then we notice instantly, don't we? And again, we're so thankful for that team and, and they do a great job. Luckily, we don't notice them very often right? because they do such a good job. But when you think about our foundation, right? Is yet if, if you have reason to question the foundation, it, it makes you nervous the entire time. This example, when you think about, like I said, Likely, you don't ever think about the foundation in your house, but my guess is if you walked into this house, you might think about the foundation. And I don't know about you, but I would be nervous the entire time I was in that building, right? Questioning, is the foundation solid? Can I trust it? 
can I relax, you know, and knowing that it's not going to fail? And when we think about God's word in our life, that is the role that it should play. It, it builds the foundation for us. Because we can trust it. We know that it's true and that it will always be relevant and it is unchanging. Right? Because the truth is, if it changes, then we will notice as things start to crumble. When we look at these core values, we're, we're using 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It's kind of our theme verses for our core values because all four core values are, are present in these verses. Again, in this verses 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Again, we saw last week in Jesus Christ, the destination, that God plays an active part, right, in our lives. And, and we see that here, but also we now we look at Scripture. And you notice I've, I've underlined and italicized the, the parts that, that point out this core value in those verses. It starts with this very first phrase that all Scripture is inspired by God. Now, just that phrase, just, just that, that's, that's an awesome phrase, right? All Scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful. Hey, we're going to go a little deeper into that later, but, but I just want to point out first that all Scripture, the, the whole book, and I'll tell you, I, as your pastor, is that I'm committed to teaching the entire Bible. Because it would be easy for me just to teach my, my favorite passages, to only bring the, the good things out of Scripture and, and to avoid the tough things. Again, that's one of my commitments as, as your pastor is that I'm committed to, to teaching you everything that's in it. Right? We're going we're gonna to look at, at every part, not, not just the familiar parts, but we're going to dive into even the hard parts together. Because all Scripture is inspired. And as we see from these verses, right, that God uses Scripture in our lives. Right? He uses it to prepare and to equip. Right? And that's our, our main source of truth and knowledge comes from God's Word. That it is our foundation. Again, as I just want to point out as we look at, again, the, these verses, that, that these verses truly show the journey as we see, these first two sentences are all-inclusive. Right? It's, it's everybody is welcome. Again, we're going we're gonna to get to that one here in a couple weeks, as that's core value number four. Right? The, the, it's all-inclusive, and yet then we, we move from this all-inclusive language to, to this very last sentence in, in verse 17, where it's that, that is directed to God's people. And again, we are supposed to move from God's creation, right, all-inclusive, to to God's children, to his people. And we're supposed to move forward or journeying closer to God. As we look at God's word, and, and again, the foundation that it is, it's not only a foundation, but it's also our roadmap for our journey. And we see in, in Psalms 119.105, where it says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. 
I mean, it's our map. It, it tells us where to go, what to do next, right? What's my next step in my life? When I'm, I'm fumbling in a dark world, God's word brings light and clarity. And if something is, is unclear, or I'm not sure, I don't know where to go or what to do next, I can turn to the map. And it, it gives me direction. It gives me light. It, it opens my eyes to what I need to do or to where I've gone wrong. And I can get back on course. You know, we talk about our core values. Again, we've, we've designed our church logo to, to reflect our core values. And we see, again, last week we saw with the cross is at the center of the logo, that Jesus is at the middle of everything that we do, and he is the destination. And then notice that the Bible is on the bottom of the logo. It's the foundation, right? That everything comes, is built upon that. And, and also, not only is it the bottom as the foundation, but also the Bible's open, right? Meaning that we, we actually read it, right? And we study it, and we interact with it, and we learn it. Again, it's not just a, a, a book on the shelf, right, or a, a coffee table decoration. It's something that we learn and interact with every day. And we see, again, this, this core value, this, this book, and, and that's what it is. Again, it, it, it's, it's a book, right? It's, I mean, it's it's pages, it's ink, it's binding, it's cover, right? It's, it's, it's a physical book, and, but yet the Bible is not just a book. Again, it is a book. It's one you could buy it at bookstores. In fact, the Bible is the number one best-selling book every year. In fact, by, by a wide margin. In fact, they don't even include the Bible in the like, best-sellers list anymore because it's, just, it's always number one. Now, it is a book in that way, but it's not just a book. It's a very unique book. This, this book is actually made up of 66 different books. It, it includes six different literary forms. It was written by 40 different authors. It spans thousands of years of history. 66 books, six different literary forms, 40 different authors spanning thousands of years, and it doesn't contradict itself. There's only one way that can happen, right? And that is through divine inspiration. It's not just a book, right? These are the words of our God. As we see in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Again, what does that tell us? What does that teach us? What is, what is Isaiah trying to, to tell us? He's telling us that, hey, guess what? The world's always changing. Right? Everything changes, but you can stand on the words of God. You can trust it. You can rely on it. You can know that no matter what happens, that God's words will always be true. And when we look at the Bible, again, it's not just a book. 
It's not just a book. It is God's story. Right? That's what this, this compilation of literature is about. It's about God's story. And it's about God's story of love and God's story of redemption. It is a story about a God who is all-powerful, but also a God that is full of love. It is God's love letter to his creation. And it reveals his plan. And as a loving God, right, his plan is to redeem his children. And this love letter tells us, it tells us the truth. It tells us all of the truth. Now, I don't know if you've ever received a love letter before or, or maybe written a love letter before, but love letters are not really known to probably be very factual. Right? And, and even a little bit hesitate to even call God's word a love letter because, again, love letters embellish a lot. But God's word, again, it is a love letter, but it does not embellish. It tells us the truth, and it tells us the whole truth. It doesn't hide things. It doesn't exaggerate. And it tells us, again, not only the victories, but it also tells us about the ugliness. It tells us the whole story, right? Which is why, why it's so important that, that we, we look at the whole of Scripture, right? That, that we can't just pick out the, the happy parts or the easy parts, but that, that we look at the whole story and, and everything that it encompasses. And with our, our Church of God movement, as a, as a part of being Church of God, we, we hold to the core values of of, of our, our movement. And, and, and I want to share with you this um, quote out of this book called Meet Us at the Cross, which is just the explanation of, of Church of God and of our foundation and, and kind of what we stand for and our core values. And, and this again, just talks about, again, the, the way that we view Scripture. It says the stories and the teaching in the Bible are not to be creedalized. And again, a, a creed is like a summary statement. It says we should not abbreviate the Bible and its teachings. Though we are tempted to then make the Bible a list, a prescription, or a proposition, we remind ourselves that it is instead the book of life, which vibrates the stories of real persons and the living God. Again, this is at the core value of who we are as a church and, and of our movement within Church of God that we are affiliated with, is that, that we believe in the whole Bible. Right? We believe we're not going to summarize it into a creed or, or only take parts of it that we like, but that, again, our core value is that the Bible is our creed. And we will learn and grow and interact with the entire Bible. You know, as we look at the entire Bible, we can realize, again, to me, it really brings confidence in knowing that the Bible's real and that it was not made up because the truth is, if you read the Bible and read the stories in the Bible, if they were made up, right, there are a lot of details that would have been left out because there are some ugly truths about the situations, the people, and, and the different things that the Bible describes, and yet it's all there. And they are in there because these were real people. 
right, that are interacting with a real God. And it tells us the whole truth. As we see God's story, and again, his story of love, but we're going to start with, it's not just love, but it's his story of redemption. And again, I want to dive deeper into this, both aspects of God's word this morning. Okay, first off, again, it's God's story. It's, it's God's story of redemption. Again, to be redeemed, it, it's, it, it, we look at, at the mission, the heart of God is, is to redeem his people, to bring us back to where we need to be. That's what redeemed means. As, as we look at, at just, just the bookends of the Bible, again, the Bible starts with Genesis, the creation story. And at, at, again, the epitome of creation was when God made us in his image and, and he put man and woman in the garden. And that's how the Bible starts in Genesis is with, with God in his unhindered presence and unhindered relationship with his creation in the garden. That's how the Bible starts. But then fast forward all the way to the end, to the, 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 the other bookend of the Bible. The, the Bible ends with the book of Revelation and the second coming of Christ and the final judgment. And, and yet, where it ends in Revelation 22 is in the new heaven and new earth of God in his unhindered presence and unhindered relationship with his people. And it starts with God's unhindered presence and relationship with his people and, and then the fall and sin and death and the world and, and it ends at that same place. And, and yet the whole story of the Bible is about God redeeming us back to that place. The Bible's book ended with God's will and desire to be an unhindered presence and relationship with us. Again, everything between Genesis and Revelation is about God's plan to make that happen. And God's plan has a name. Right? And we looked at that name last week, right? God's plan has a name, and that name is Jesus. And we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 25. For it says, for you have been born again, not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And as the scriptures say, people are like grass and their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Okay, what is the good news? The good news is the gospel of Jesus. We have been born again, right? Born to an eternal life in that unhindered relationship and presence of our Lord and our Savior and our God. And that happens through God's plan of redemption, right? And that plan has a name. And the story of redemption, because Jesus is the message. But that is the way of salvation. I mean, we, we studied that this summer as we studied through the Gospel of John, right? Je Jesus makes the most bold statement in all of history in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus is the message. He is the plan of redemption. In fact, all of the Old Testament after the fall in Genesis 3, right, all of the Old Testament looks forward to Jesus. To the Messiah. And then we have right in the middle of our Bibles the four Gospels that talk about the life of Jesus. And then all of the New Testament points back at Jesus, back at the chosen Messiah. Because Jesus is the message. He is God's plan of redemption. And as we look at the life of Jesus and study the life of Jesus and, and become more like him, because he is the destination of our journey. I mean, look at Colossians 3.16. It says to let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill our lives. It will teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. That's an awesome description of what church is supposed to be. Right? That we gather together, right? That the message of Christ and all of its fillings, it will fill my life and, and then we will gather together as his church to teach and to counsel each other through the wisdom that we find through the message. Because God's word, again, it is God's story. It's his, his story of redemption. But then not only just the redemption that we see in God's word, but let's take one, more, one step back from that. Not, not just his his goal, but what is God's motivation in his story? Why would he even want to redeem us? All we do is shake our finger and spit in his face. Well, the reason God still wants to redeem us, even when we sin and even when we push him away, no matter how hard we run from him, right? God is motivated by one thing, because it's not just his story of redemption, but it is also story of love. Because God loves you. Even when you don't love him back, that, that's God's motivation for even wanting to redeem you, even when we seem unredeemable. God doesn't give up because God loves us. And, and again, God, it's not just an emotion for God. It's, it's a part of his character. It's, it's who he is. Right? God is love. And it's only by studying and, and experiencing his, his character and th that love that, that we even understand what love is. As you think about this, this concept, this motivation of love, I want to go back to these verses in 2 Timothy, verses, verses 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God. and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, when, when we read this, kind of take, I mean, take the context out of it for a second, and just about God and scripture, but, but think about, see what God is doing in this, right? That, I mean, it, 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 scripture is used by God to, to show us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our life, to correct us when we're going in on the wrong direction, right, and teach us instead to do what's right. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like a great description of parenting. 
doesn't it? Right, if it, when you think, if you're a parent, you think about what, what do we want for our kids? Like, well, our goal as a parent, our, our job as their parent is to teach them what's true. Right, to, to make them realize what's wrong and, and where they should be going. Right, to teach them to be good people. Again, I, I've never known or heard of a parent that, that in their goal would be like, I hope that my kids are horrible people. Right? That's, that, that's, that's never our goal as parents, is it? Again, even unbelievers, even those that don't follow Jesus, as a parent, that, you know, they want their kids to be good people. Again, as a parent, I'll tell you, I, personally, I want nothing more you know, for my kids to not just be good people, but also for my kids to, to be followers of Jesus. Right? Because I believe that right, following God, and who, I believe in who God is, and that he is truth, and I want my kids to know that. Right? And again, why, why do we parent our kids? Right? We do it to prepare them. And equip them to, to be people, good people. Right? And yet there are many times as a parent right, that you get frustrated. There are many times as a parent that, that you're not sure what to do next. Or, or man, is this even worth it? And many of you know that, that within my family, we are just moving into the temper tantrum phase with my daughter. She's not even two yet, and she's good at it. And when we think about God as, as a parent, right, and, and how many times have we thrown our own temper tantrums with God? We stomp our feet, and we get mad, and we argue. But why, why do we continue to, to, to help our kids and motivate them? Because we love them. Even when they're mean to us, right, or whatever, we, we point it out and we show them what's wrong and, and push them in the right direction. It was, it was interesting this last week, Maureen and I were watching a show together and, we were, and just somebody on the show just made this comment about kids and about, you know, just the, their future with kids or whatever. And I remember I looked at Maureen and I was like, now that is a comment that 100% is made by somebody who has never been a parent. Right, because that was a very naive statement about kids, Right. And I'll tell you, if you're a parent, you understand, right, that there's, there's nothing like a screaming kid at 2 a.m. and you have no, have no idea what to do to convince you that you have no idea how to parent a child. Right? And again, we're all perfect parents until we have kids, aren't we? Right? And then we start to realize what love really is. Because it's not always easy. But we keep doing it because we love them. Again, why does God continue to not give up on us? Why does God continue to redeem us when, when we're not lovable? Because he loves us and he's a good parent. Right? And when we look at God's word, again, he's, he's using it right to, to expose us and to teach us what's right and what's wrong and the way that we should go and, and who we should be. And, and yet he leads us by the perfect example of his own character of love. Right, and God directs us again through his word of how we should do life. Because scripture gives us the boundaries that we should do life in. 
And I think this is a great picture, illustration of what God's word should be in our life. Right? It, it gives us our path. It tells us where to go. But it also sets up the boundaries of where we shouldn't go. Right? And, and, and again, we know the motivation of why God tells us, hey, don't do that. Because if you fall off that edge, you're going to get hurt. And he tells us that out of love. Right? And, and he sets up these boundaries in our lives through his word, right? That, that say, hey, go this direction, but be careful about that. Don't cross that line. And when we see about this, this story of love, and, and again, the, the, the honest reality, right, is that love has to tell us the truth. It has to tell us the truth. It has to tell us what's really happening. Otherwise, it's, it's not helpful. Right? And God's word tells us the truth. That's why it can be a strong foundation, because we can trust it. We know that we're hearing the truth. I want to look at next this, this description of Scripture out of Hebrews chapter 4. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God, and everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Now, these are very powerful words. There's many concepts and phrases in it that, that, that just... This should come alive, I hope. And look at this, even just the very first statement. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Again, God's word is alive with his spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit lives in these pages. Again, it's not alive in the fact that it's ever-changing. In fact, that's one of the things that we can stand on that makes it such a good foundation. In fact, it's not changing. But it is alive, meaning that, that there is nothing that we will face in life that this book does not address through a story or a concept. It is still relevant, even more relevant today in 2020 than it ever has been. I don't know how many times in our culture in the last you know, eight months have we heard unprecedented you know, no, uncharted waters, right? We've never faced this before. Right? We've heard that so much in 2020, and yet God's word, right, that was written thousands of years ago is still relevant, even more relevant today than it ever has been, and that's because it's alive. And it's powerful. It's alive and powerful. We see here also the, the fact that, that nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Now, th- that fact probably either comes as a comfort to you, if you have nothing to hide, right? Or it sends shudders down your spine in realizing that truth. Because if you're trying to hide something from God or trying to, to figure it right, you're like, oh boy. 
I'm losing at that game. Nothing is hidden from God. Everything is naked. Everything's exposed. He sees it all. Like I said, that is either an, a big encouragement or it's big because we want our Heavenly Father to see the good things we do, right? You remember your kids, right? When they're in their sports and they make a great play, they always have to look to the crowd and be like, did you see that, Mom? Did you see that, Dad? Right? And in those moments in our lives, we want to say, God, did you see that? That was awesome. Right? But at the same time, right, there's, we've all looked over our shoulder at different times, right? like, I wonder if Dad saw that. Yeah, like, nothing's hidden from God. But again, we see that he's the one that we are held accountable to, right? It says that he's whom we are accountable. We, we are, again, our goal in life is to please God, not other people. He's the one that we will stand in front of. And all of these phrases are super powerful, but I, I want to point out this, this one that I skipped, the one where it says that, that God's word is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I, I think about that concept, that illustration for a moment, a, a double-edged sword. Right? It cuts both ways, right? It, it, it exposes good and bad. But you think about that, that idea, right, is, is that if I took a sword, a sharp two-edged sword, and I stabbed you with it, your life would never be the same. And neither would mine, by the way. Right, if I stabbed you with that sword, right, your life would never be the same, and neither would mine. And, and that's the, the concept that should be true of God's word. When you interact with God's word, you should never be the same. Now, when it cuts, it might be painful. You can think about the concept of surgery. Right, literally, we literally pay people thousands of dollars to cut us up. Right, why do we do that? Right? And why do we go through the pain of surgery? Because we know that we're going to come out better on the other side. Right? Once we heal from that cut, it will improve our lives. And does it feel good when God's word cuts into my life? No, it doesn't. But, but I can trust that I'm going to be better when I heal. Right? That the pain is worth it. That the sacrifice is worth it because it's going to take me to a place that God wants to take me to. God's word should change you. Every time you interact with it, you should never be the same. I can go back to Jesus' words in John 8. Right, when he says to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Right, and how are we set free? How are we changed right, for the better? We find his truth. Where do we find his truth? In his word. Because it's alive and it's powerful. 
right? And the Holy Spirit lives in these pages. So how do I live out this core value? Scripture is my foundation and my roadmap. How do I live it out in my life? There's two things I want to point out for you this morning. First one is just make Scripture a regular part of your life. Make Scripture a regular part of your life. You can set up habits in your life that, that, that keep you interacting with God's Word. Not just interacting with it on a Sunday morning. Hey, don't just interact with it about what Brian says about God's Word. No, you need to interact with yourself on a regular basis. In fact, listening to anybody, you listen to me preach or anybody preach, is, is don't, don't just take their word for it, right? If, because the power is right here, right? It's not, the power's not in Brian's opinion, right? So interact with it yourself. Dive deeper into it. Again, that's why our small groups dive deeper into God's word, right? We skim the surface on a Sunday morning. But there are layers to scripture that you need to dive deeper into. Again, Psalms 119.11 says that I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Are you hiding God's word in your heart? Are, are you interacting with it on a regular basis? Again, to hide God's word in your heart means you have to put it there. Right, so how are you putting God's word in your heart? Is it through daily Bible reading? Uh, you know, there's, I, are you putting up decor in your house, there's Bible verses on it, right? Write it on your mirror, right? Put Bible verses on, tape them onto the monitor on your computer at work, right? Like, I mean, there's so many ways that you can interact with God's word on a regular basis, right? Just take out your phone and subscribe to the daily readings in, in version. okay? There, there's, there's so many ways that you can do it, right? I'm, through a devotional Bible, whatever it might be, right? Are you memorizing scripture? Hey, there are times, again, in my life, and I'll tell you, as I'm as, I admit, I, it's not easy for me to memorize stuff, but I know I can when I have to, because right, I remember the code to my phone. Right, so can you memorize God's word? There are times that I'm like seeking God that, that, that that's how God has spoken, is that just these, these verses start running through my head. Right? Not times when I have time to look it up, but yet God, because I've memorized it, God can recall it, but he can't recall something you haven't put there. Right? Are you memorizing scripture? Are you, are you diving into deeper Bible study? Are you getting into a small group and going to those deeper levels of scripture? Right? Interact with his word on a regular part of your life. Again, if you don't have your own Bible, if you, or if you don't have a Bible that you can understand, okay, then go by the Welcome Center, the Info Center today before you leave and, and get one. We have Bibles to give you if you don't have your own Bible, or if you don't have one that you can read and understand. Again, that's one of the, the most popular questions in Journey Class 1, is people ask, like, why do, why do I only use the NLT version right, in sermons? And that, my answer is that because it's, it's a version that is easily understood. Right? Because we cannot fall in love with God's Word if we don't understand it. Now, again, you can, you can read and study and interact with any version that you want. I have no issue with other versions, but, again, that's why we use the NLT version, right, in sermons. It's because it's easily read and understood. So first is just make Scripture a regular part of your life, and then the, the second step is, is very simple. Do what it says. Right, do what it says. Do something with that knowledge. 
Right? As it's a regular part of your life, as, as you, you put it in your heart, then, then actually do it. Right? God's love letter does not push us just to be smarter sinners. Okay? The, the knowledge does nothing if you don't live it out, if you don't do it. Do what it says. Psalms 119.9 says that how can a young person stay pure? By obeying God's word. And I'm going to jump out on a limb here and say that this concept does not only apply to a young person. Now, it's absolutely very powerful in a young person's life, right? But it's just as powerful no matter how old you are. By obeying God's word. Scripture is our foundation. It is a roadmap to our journey. And it's solid, and we can trust it. Final thought for today is this. The Bible is God's love letter to his creation, the source of known truth to guide us through the journey. So how strong is your foundation? I hope that you are falling in love with God's word every day. Again, I don't know where you're at on your journey. I don't know what your next step is, but, but if you've accepted Christ as your savior and you've joined the journey of faith, I hope that God's word becomes more, more and more every day a more regular part of your life. Lord God, we thank you that we can trust in your word. God, to change in our lives what needs to be changed. God, to open our eyes to what we need to see. And God, we thank you for your word and that it is alive and it is powerful. God, that we're never the same when we interact with it. And Lord, we thank you that you tell us the truth. But God, the number one truth is that you love us more than we can imagine and found. God, that Jesus is the message. And God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we would live out that message so strongly in our lives, God, that we would shine your light in this dark world. Not only, Lord, will your word illuminate our path, but God, may it pull other people towards you as well. God, thank you for your truth. Thank you that we don't have to wonder or build our life on something that's not solid. We thank you for your word. But as we go this week, may you help us to interact with it, to live it, to do it. Guide us through every step. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. Guide us now as we go and as we do what it says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.